Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Believe God is because of culture. And but if I can throw in my own butt, because I love when those don't lie, because I have a God that's got, you know, that is horrible to say. But I got a God who throws butts everywhere because he wants to intervene. He, whenever he intervenes, he brings the light right after it's contradicting completely. He puts comma, but you can look in the Bible. Anywhere you see a comma, but God's getting ready to throw down his light. And when he does that, man, it just draws people in. It draws people in. And I pray this morning, that's what, exactly what's happening right now. The spiritual bumpers are already down, and you're leaning in, and you're like, whoa. And you're doing one of these numbers because you are afraid you're going to have to exercise something. <laughs> you are afraid something's about to happen. Well, don't fear, because the Bible says don't fear. It says it 365 times. But I will say this, if we start to really seek out these things, and seek out the truth. We all know what happens when the truth ushers in. You can say it with me. The truth will set you free. And so before we dive into today, I just want to go down this road of where next week is going and, and, and this talk that we're going to experience next week. I believe that most people would call, call the next week's I want to believe, but it's more like a goose pimple or goose bump. God, you know, you get all these little things on your butt, and you're just like, woo and it's one of those experiences. You, you, you know, what this really is, is this, is, this would be for people who would say, I, I want to believe in God, but I just don't feel him, right? You with me? I tried to read the Bible, and I didn't feel anything. It's more of these touchy feeling. I came to church, and I didn't feel anything. How do you believe in a God you can't see, you can't really hear, and you can't feel him anyway? So next week, uh, it, it's a goosebump God, and I want to believe in God, but I don't feel him. And if you know somebody like that, or it fits, and maybe it's you, I would encourage you to be back next week, because that's where we're going, and I want you to know that, because I want you to be praying over that, because I believe we have a lot of friends who are in that right there category. But for today, let's take a minute and see who's in the room, all right? Let's just, let's just go ahead and just, let's just dissect the room. Um, our church is made up of a multi-generational uh, culture and body of, from ages all across the spectrum. Now, a lot of people thought when we first launched, we were going to be this young, hip church. And what I found out, 60-year-olds loved it. So I, you know, just, I, I have no idea. I don't get that one. Uh, but hey, you know, people love coming to Centerpoint, and it's literally just a, a vast variety of ages and they all want or seeking one thing. And I, I figured that out. It's just Jesus. They want truth. They want authenticity. And we're doing our best to do that. Um, and so what we sort of do is, you know, we're just sort of, it's going to be kind of awkward here in a minute um, because you're about to show your age and you might want to raise your hand. You might not. It's up to you because there's some of, some of you in here that only know what birds do is tweet and, and it's called Twitter. And depending on what age group you're in, whether you're a Gen Xer or even a baby boomer, baby boomer or a millennial or a Gen Z, those words have such different meanings, if you know what I'm talking about. So if you're in Twitter, you know what a bird's tweet. And if you're a tweet, it's a Twitter. So you'll see what I'm talking about here in a second. Um, but let's just try to have some fun. I love church, and I think we're sometimes just too stuck up. So let's have some fun. Um, 
I told you, man, I'm just weird. Don't worry about that one. Uh, I see a couple hundred people here today, so let's just, let's just try this and see what happens. Um, but uh, this is some, some of the shows that I grew up with. I might be showing my age just a little bit, uh, but for those who recognize some of these shows, we'll just trust the Holy Spirit to enjoy the favor of this together. Uh, and for those who only understand what a tweet or a Snapchat is, you just, we'll just hang tight. We'll be with you in a minute. Um, but who remembers some of these shows that are honestly were so much better, were so much better back in the day because the honesty was great, the, the, the family environment was great, uh, and, and honestly, I love technology, and it's great, you know, the way we've crafted shows today. I love things that blow up, I don't know, but it's just really amazing. But back in the day, the content was so much better. It was family involved, and so, but who knows this one, right? Come on. I love Lucy. We got some hands throwing up. There, you're, you're like, uh, uh, ooh, it's me. I know that one. You're jumping all over the place in the back back there. You're like, I know that one. You know, you're proud. I, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, you're going crazy back there. All right, so what about this one? What about this one? Anybody know that one? Oh, yeah. So the, some are like, uh, I don't know. Hey, maybe. I, I, uh, Green Acres? Uh, yeah, Green Acres is the place to be. You know, come on. So farm living is the... See, you watch that show. See, now some of y'all with Snapchat and Twitter, you're like, what in the world? This guy has lost his mind. Yes, I have. So uh, what about this one? What about this one? Come, this is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, only the people that are at least 50 years of age got that one real quick, you know. The beef, jolly, gee, you know, he's just so into every G's. And I love those words. He's just all about G's. What about this one? No, it's, yeah, there it is, Jefferson's. My favorite song, you're moving on up to the side. The deluxe bombing in the sky. I'm moving on up. Louisa! I love it, man. I love it. I know people on online like, he is crazy this morning. Two cups of coffee, you do that. No sleep. Uh, what about this one? No, I love this one growing up. Oh, yeah, man. Totally about Three's Company. I know it's just different, but I love this show. It was great. But nothing, nothing tops any show except this one. I mean, come on. If you know this show, you grew up in the 80s with me. I pity the fool. That's right. That's the A-Team. If you don't know it, you need to go back to watching. You need, to, you need Netflix the A-Team. I'm telling you. Hulu, whatever else is out there, I don't know. Voodoo, I don't know. But do whatever you can do to watch the A-Team, and you'll have an appreciation of the 1980s in a big black box van, all right? So uh, it is an awesome show, but literally, that, as amazing as that show was, this one is better. Yeah, see, the crowd's getting into it now. You're all into it. The Knight Rider, right? A car that can talk to you, man. I was like, I'm totally into it. Ain't no kids all into my life. I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know, I remember this as a kid. I'm like, Dad, can we get one? He's like, no, they don't even exist. I'm like, yes, they do. You know, and so a kid, man, this is so crazy. And then as I'm maturing into a teenage life, you know, you know, Friday nights literally, uh, you know, actually just, just, just changed my life. And, and maybe some of you understand what TGIF Friday means. But for my family, it had a whole new meaning when 7 o'clock rolled around on Friday night and this right here show came on. 
did I do that? Steve Urkel, man, rocked my world. And I was just like, this is the greatest show in the world, man. We did not miss 7 o'clock Friday night with Steve Urkel because it was just awesome. You know, and it's just literally, and then as I matured a little bit more into college, college age, you know, these shows started coming on, and it's just probably one of my favorites of all times. Yeah, so, so everybody knows Friends, because it's just like a rerun everywhere. I mean, everybody has it. But think about this, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you, you had to be in a certain location, right, to watch these shows. And some of you are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but let me put it in context. Um, back in the day when we, the whole family used to come together to sit down around this huge box on the ground, this huge box that took up a lot of space, not a flat screen, uh, we, we literally, you know, just carved out time of our week to literally sit around this thing, and, 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 and we had to do something that was horrible. We had to watch commercials. We, <laughs> It was amazing. We watched all the commercials. And you couldn't fast forward or push pause and get on Snapchat and Twitter and do all the things with your phone and then, and then rejoin. You literally had to watch it because if you missed it, you missed out. You couldn't go back and try to pick. What did he say? I don't know. Stop. I'm watching. Watch him. Steve Urkel. You know, Steve Urkel. Shut up. But you were focused. You were laser focused. You had to sit there and watch everything without pushing pause, picking up anything, being distracted. There was, no, there was no getting through the commercials, no rewinding, pausing, nothing. Obviously, we live in a completely different world today, don't we? How many have you watched, and so now we're going to jump forward to some of these uh, younger folks, these snappers and these Twitters. Um, how many have, would say that you've binge-watched uh, a show this week, this month, or maybe in the past three months, if you're just completely honest? Yeah, look at that one. Some of you are like, binge? What's that? Okay, see, we're flipping generations real quickly on us. Um, how many would say that you have watched some of your favorite shows, such as Breaking Bad, This Is Us, or Freaks and Geeks, or The Walking Dead in the past six months. Come on, raise your hands. All right, see, look, we're totally switching categories. They're not even cheering. They're just like, yeah, that's me. You know, uh, you need a, I, need a, I need a help. I need a group. So we can, we can form that later. Let's see at Connection Point. We can get you some help, all right? Um, but whatever it is you want to watch, you can watch it with literally, I mean, if you haven't got your cell phone, you can do this now. You can literally do that on your cell phone. You can watch it now. It is, it is on demand, right? Uh, I firmly believe we live in an on-demand type of generation now, and everything has changed from especially I Love Lucy days. It has. Think about this. Everything we want is now on demand. Get it to me now in two days or less. And I, and I even, you know, now we have Amazon one-day delivery, uh, and, it, and it's not in our city yet, but I believe it's going to be sooner or later because they got drones. I mean, if you look around, there's, there's drones that are hovering around everywhere, and you just don't see them yet. But I know UPS is coming out with it, and when UPS does it, everybody does it. I mean, it's just crazy what, what they're doing out there with technology. Uh, and I even saw the other day, somebody was informing me, and I went and checked out, and it's true. I won't tell the people who are doing it. But some cities, can, you can even order fast food, and they will deliver it to you with a little small robot. And I'm sitting there going, who gets the tip? You know, this, this might be the greatest thing in the world, but who, who gets the tip? And, and so I believe we literally live on an on-demand type of uh, environment that's changing our culture. It's changing the em environment. And so uh, I, I think we also have shifted this over to God. The unfortunate side is we, we have shifted this over to God and we want an on-demand type of God relationship. 
For example, I prayed about it. God didn't do it. Therefore, I don't believe in God. God should do exactly what I want, you know, because I want this. On-demand God is, is great until an on-demand God doesn't do what you ask him to do. And, and that might sound a little crazy, but this is maybe your story. This is maybe where the butt comes in. This is maybe where it's gone stray, where you've started to lose faith. Maybe you've been praying as a teenager and begging God to save your friend's life who was in a car accident, but it didn't happen. He died. What about your friend who got cancer and she didn't make it? What about your family, your parents who got a divorce? You prayed about it every single night in your bed and they were just praying it, you know, hey, please resolve it. Please resolve it, Jesus. But the ultimate choice was a divorce. You're like, what's up, God? God, what, what's up? I don't understand. And you may be happily married and, and, and your dream is to have a kid. Now I'm getting really personable. You, you may want to have a child and there are a ton of people who get pregnant, and, and, but you don't. And you have prayed and prayed and prayed and, and you can't. God, why? Or let me flip the switch a little bit. And sink this one in because this is personable to me. Or maybe you do get pre pregnant. Maybe you do have a child in the womb for two months, three months, four months, five months, and something all of a sudden goes astray and you miscarry. God, why? You see, those are some fresh scars still in our life. And, it's, and I think it's some of those things that would just never leaves you until you get rid of your butt. So often we, when, when God doesn't do what we think he should do, we just know what he could have done. And a lot of people get frustrated at God and decide God either is not real or isn't powerful or isn't good or doesn't care about me. Where is my on-demand God? And here's the answer. Taking notes. Here's the answer. An on-demand God doesn't exist, guys. Period. An on-demand God does not exist. One of the conversations that I get to hear over and over again in conversations that I have with people is, I want to believe in God, but I prayed that he would fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. And it didn't happen. So how can I believe in God? I want to believe in God, but he didn't save my marriage, so I can't believe in God. I want to believe in God, but he didn't do exactly what I wanted him to do, so... He's not real. He's not there. He's not good. Or he doesn't care. The truth is, an on-demand God does not exist. And I know that truth hurts. But that's the truth. And it will set you free. Some of you need to hear that this morning. See, in the grand scheme of, of history and, and to understand the Bible, we have to understand the outline. And, and, and I believe it could be summarized by this simple statement or understanding that if you're, if you're taking notes, you might as well take this one too, that, that this one phrase could literally change the trajectory of your life from here on out. And it's this one little phrase. 
God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. It's just that simple. Let me say it again. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. So God doesn't exist to do whatever we want, whenever we want him to do. He may answer prayers, but his highest calling is not to do what we think he should do. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. We have to recognize that in the reading of the Bible and the surrounding by people of like-mindedness. We are the main character. We're not the main character in the Bible. God is the main character. It's not us. And I know that's hard for some of us to swallow because we think the sun revolves around us. Think about this. God is, is, is not some kind of genie in a bobble, bottle, which, by the way, was a great show back in the day. Um, God is not some genie in a bottle. God is, is, is not this big guy in the sky that you get to rub his feet and just at the right time and get three wishes. It's it just not that way. He's not the cosmic machine where you push the prayer buttons and you give your time, you push these other buttons and, and, and one of your answered prayers gets flowing out to you. God, help me out with this financial situation. Bing. Oh, doesn't work that way. God, help me out with this test because I did not study the entire week. Bing. Hallelujah, got an A. Doesn't work that way. You see, God is a creator we are the created. God is the potter and we are the clay in which he forms and shapes continuously. Keep in mind what that means, continuously. He is the Lord of all lords and we are his servants. We need to understand an on-demand God does not exist. He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. You see, I believe with that uh, people all over the world are not rejecting who God is. They're rejecting this distorted view of God, an inaccurate view of God. An on-demand God person would say, where is he? And I would say, he doesn't exist. So who is he? Who is God? What's his role in my life and why does he exist? And I think we have to agree on this principle here. God's heart is always loving. If we're going to agree on one thing, we, we need to understand this one. Even in the, the thickest and the darkest areas of our life, God's heart is always loving. His heart is always loving. For example, those of you who are parents, um, let me tell you two things that I know about you if you're a parent. Number one, there's never a time when you don't love your children, right? <laughs> okay, we didn't hear that one very well. The, <laughs> There's never a time when you don't love your children, right? And there are times when you don't like them when Legos are left on the ground in the middle of the night and you step on them and you go, ow! But that ain't what you really said. <laughs> there are times when you want to trade them in for the less, less back-talking one Amen. or upgrade. I don't know how that works. I mean, the person figures that one out. We're good. There are times you might want to knock them off their seat and in the middle of next week and teach them what respect looks like. But you wouldn't do that, would you? You're a Christian. You see, the second thing I know, you, you, or the first thing, you always love them. 
You, you always love them, no, no matter what, right? And the second thing I know is, is that there are times when you do not do what they want you to do, even though that you have the power to do it, because you know better. I didn't get one amen on that one, by the way. You know the consequences, and you love them. And you're like, no, you better not do that. Go ahead, and you can touch that oven, but I tell you what, it's going to hurt. You turn your head for two seconds. You know what my daughter done done? <laughs> now she's like trying to cover it up. What happened, honey? Nothing. Just going to the water and pouring water. Let me see your hand. I told you it would hurt. We'll get the cookies later. Promise you, we'll do the cookies together, and they will taste good. See, some of us, we, we always love them and sometimes we, we enable them, we do things, but I promise you, you, you can do better when you tell them no. Parents, lean onto that one. Tell them no and see what happens and just say, listen, I'm just following what God says. Let's pray about it as a family and just seek God out. You will always love them, but there are times when you do not need to, or excuse me, but there are times when you do not do what they want you to do, even if you have the power to do it. When my kids forget to pack their lunch the night before, and we're running out the door to get to school on time, and they say, I forgot it. Now, I've got two choices, especially since this is something that is ongoing in our life right now, kind of, we're still, don't, I mean, don't judge me, but we're, we're still trying to figure out four right now, and how the life looks like, and the schedule of everything. It's just chaos in the morning times. And I know there's things we can do, but we're trying. We're not perfect. I could go either go get their lunch and, and enable them and, and bring it in later on. Um, and sometimes I say nope. Sometimes I say yes. But sometimes I'm like, listen, I told you last night to pack it, and you didn't, so let's get out the door and let's go. You're just going to have to suffer and eat the refried beans at school. I'm just, and, and some are like, you know, you could just tell the, the, the look on their face. But I guess what happened the, night, the, the next night? Yeah. They've already packed their lunch like at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> They've already done it, right? So I'm like, hey, praise God, you know, this is going to be awesome tomorrow. We're going to be out the door by seven. So it's not that you're trying to punish them. It's because you're doing something in them. You're trying to teach them something. You're trying to be with them and, and, and want more for them. It's not because I don't have the power to fix it. It's not because I don't love them enough. It's actually because I love them and I'm not always going to do exactly what you want. Sometimes I'm trying to develop something in you rather than do something for you. You always love them, but you don't always want what they want. And today you're going to eat that cafeteria food because I love you and you're going to learn. You see, that's, that's what I, I believe. And I, and I believe God's doing something really crazy in our lives. And I know for a fact uh, he's changing some lives. So let's look at something real quickly, and let's just look at a passage of Scripture in Romans, Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8. And I think this is going to change some lives here. Romans 8, 35, it says this, and it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or, or, or nakedness or danger or sword? 
You know, you know see, he's always loving. God is, is always loving. He always has our best interests at heart. In fact, this passage the Apostle Paul writes is really saying, who can separate this? Who can separate this type of love? So let's just sort of update this verse with a newer version and sort of bring it into our context. We all are living right now, and we all shall be separated. You know, what shall separate us from his love? What shall separate uh, you from the love of Christ? Shall financial trouble do it? Shall relationships be broken? Unemployment, cancer, depression? Because I just don't think sometimes a sword nowadays or famine or nakedness is, is the danger zone. I think it's a little bit more deeper for our personal walks. And if we're honest and, and just strip some things back, we'll see some of this stuff. What about depression? What about believing? You see, we can answer it this way and, and truly, really just dive deeper into this passage, especially as, as verse 37 and 39, through 39 says, Paul says, No, in all things and everything you can think of, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God's heart, if you're not listening, God's heart is always loving. Nothing can separate that. We need to understand that God doesn't prove his love when he answers our prayers. God proved his love when he sent his one and only son. You see, God's heart is always loving. There's never been a time that he doesn't love you, but he will not always do what you think he should do. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? In all things, we are more than conquerors. Nothing Nothing could separate or will separate from the love of God in Christ Jesus because his love, his heart is always loving. What about this? If God is an, is an on-demand God, then who is he? Then who is he? His heart is always loving. Then I think we need to understand something a little bit more. His ways are always higher. His ways are always higher. As a pastor, I don't understand everything, but he does. I just know that his ways are not my ways. I, I take faith in God over wisdom and my limited ability to understand any day of the week. I take faith in God over my wisdom and my ability to understand any day of the week, such as when we, lo- we, we lost a child a couple of years ago through a miscarriage. I was mad. I was depressed. I was truly hurt. And I was mad at God. Why did this happen? You know what? I don't know. I, I, I truly don't know. Got no really explanation for it whatsoever other than it, if God creates things in his perfect image then it just wasn't completely perfect. And I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with leaning into that and trusting God because he's bigger. Or what about this one? When a really good person who was struck down in the middle of life by a truck. A great person that I know, a person who had years of life ahead of him, died there. And I sat there in the hospital looking at him and asking why this happened to him and why this happened to his family. And I do not know. 
I don't understand it. I don't get it, God. I remember crying out to God, and I just don't get it. What about this one? Some of you lived through this. What about 9-11? Or some other kind of weird terrorist attack? Why, God? Why? We just scream out, why? And again, I, I don't understand. There are so many things I wouldn't even attempt to describe people. What I will do is embrace Isaiah 55, verse 8, though. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, because I believe God is ushering in his, his ability to, to allow us to understand his ways are always higher. And it says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, God is already in tomorrow. And I find comfort in that. You see, time does not hold him hostage whatsoever. He is a sovereign, good God, working in all things to bring about good. And my, my job is to trust him and obey him because there is truly no other way. His ways are higher. His ways are different. Oftentimes, you'll recognize when, when, when you don't understand it in the present moment. Years later, you look back on your story and you say, oh, now I see that path of pain and hardship actually took me to a better place. And this is why I had to share my story, just like we heard from Robert a while ago. You see, some of you, you're going through something right now and you hate it. You don't understand it. God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And that sticky situation in your marriage, my mom is dying, cancer, your child is dying, even your boyfriend is dumping you now. God's ways are higher when you go through those times. Just repeat that over and then over again in your brain. And allow it to permeate in your heart. God's ways are not your ways. An on-demand God does not exist. He doesn't exist for us. We exist to serve him. And as, as we serve him with all of our hearts, can we now be assured that his ways are, are always loving and that his heart is always for us. His ways are, are, are always higher than our ways. And at last, here's the last one. God's presence God's presence is always enough. His presence is always enough. If we, if we can just move past this culture Christianity and truly pursue the, the goodness of God, if you truly pursue him, you will, will get to know his character. You will get to know his nature in such a way that yet years from now, you'll have this deep assurance that he is your rock and you'll be able to say, I don't even have to worry about what will happen to me because my God is with me. Why? Because he's a good, good father. Because he never leaves me or abandoned me. Because he never has forsaken me. Because he is with me. Because he is a good, good father. Some of you have never cried that out before. You're just playing the culture Christianity game and you don't even know what that means yet. You see, there's a man in the Bible named David. 
And he was just a man, but he was also actually a king. And not just any king, but a king after God's own heart. And one would think a king would have it easy and have it life made, but that's not true. This guy had more dark valleys than most of us will ever face in life. Yet, as he grew to know the faithfulness and the presence of God, his heart changed completely. And here's what David said in the Old Testament in Psalms 23, verse 4. It's one of the greatest chapters in all Scripture, and it's the most quoted usually at funerals. And maybe you've heard of it before, but this is who said it, David. He said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or even I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? Because you're with me. Because his presence is with me. Even though I walk through the place where I could die in a heartbeat, even though I walk through the place where there's, there's no physical nourishment, even though there's robbers and there's people and attacking and it's just life and it just gets the best of you, even though I walk through the darkest point of my life, cancer, even though I, I have to, I just don't even know, I don't know how to, I, how to move on because I lost my son. Why? Because God's presence is enough. It's just that simple. His presence is enough. And it can change everything. Almost three and a half years ago, I was at a place of uncertainty in my life. A lot of people know about this story. But when we launched Center Point, I just got to that point of where I just wanted to, you know, just see God move. But the truth is, uh, as he's continuing to develop the, the, that, that, that pastor role, whatever that looks like, and, and me just chasing after God, and I, 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 I didn't know what it really meant to do this. And, and, and I think he was, we wasn't ready missionally, to be honest. We, our hearts were not ready missionally. There were too many visions which created division in our church. And, and when we got an email in the middle of the night that created so much tension in my heart that said, you're no longer allowed to be at the school, I didn't know what would happen. And we lost the contract on the school, and the next week we had to be out. I had no game plan. As a leader, I had nothing. No plan. I felt like the pressure of the world was coming down on me, and everybody was looking at me, and I felt the tension of gossip, slander, and just honestly Satan attacking. And I was just like, God... I've poured everything I am into this, and why is this happening to me? I know you're in it, but where are you, God? I remember me driving my truck around the streets of Danville, literally going up to the McDonald's and the bypass, looking over the city at 2 a.m., going, God, why? Why'd you pull me from a safe position, a safe job opportunity, and everything that was going good, why did you do that to me? And I eventually found myself down at Henson Park, you don't know where it is, just get on Main Street and go all the way down and look for the ducks. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be there. I found this little place, and I'm like, what is this place? I've seen it a dozen times, really didn't pay attention to it. But I walked up there. I just felt a calling to go there, and then I found this gazebo. I was like, why in the world? Who would put a gazebo down here in the middle of this park? In the middle of this park is a gazebo. And then I was just sort of sat down, and I remembered just sitting down and just asking God, okay, God, just why, why? And I began just to cry out. It was just me and some ducks near the pond. 
but I was just crying out to God. There wasn't a person on the earth that I I felt could understand the pain or or could do anything about it, but all I knew is I needed God. And I just cried out intentionally to God. And I mean, I just kept crying from the depths of the bowels inside of me. I cried out, I need you, God. Help me, God. I just don't know what to do. And after an hour of being being so just, you know, self-focused, God reminded me of the four words he entrusted me with. Long obedience, same direction. Long obedience, same direction. He said, Jason, don't you remember it's not about you? It's about me. And I've got to weed some things out so I can be greater. And when that happened for me, he gave me four new words. And those four new words became our words for the summer. He said, when he ordains something, he sustains something. When he ordains it, get ready. It's going to grow and it's going to grow. You just got to stay laser focused on me. Long will be the same direction on Jesus And when he ordains it, he sustains it. And for me, that changed everything for the movement we have now called Center Point because I knew in his presence, in his presence, it changed for me. Even though I might've thought it was at the lowest point of my life as a leader, it was actually at my highest. Because in that park, for all of us, we can say we felt God, especially for those who were there. It was just, we never looked back and we started dreaming and we started, you know, hey, it's it's the wettest summer of all time. Come on. It was the wettest summer of all time in the state of Kentucky, or at least in the top three. It's a preacher joke. It's, it's, It's just really wet, but I'm telling you what, it never rained in the park. We saw the thunderstorms coming and it just split and it was like, this is crazy. It is, and it's when he ordains it, he sustains it. The week we got up here in the loft and we got up here in the first week, it poured and rained so much that day we were just sitting here weeping because there was holes everywhere in our ceiling. And we were just like, if we was outside, we would be looking for Noah's boat. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. But when he ordains it, he sustains it. You just got to be focused in on his presence and trusting him along the journey because we witnessed something special start in the hearts of many And I believe this. I believe you have to go through some dark areas so you can see the light. Sometimes in the valleys, and the valley is amazing because it's got a starting point and it's got an ending point. It's a valley. You better experience the presence of God in the valleys as you do when you're on top of the mountaintops. You start to understand the faithfulness of God in those valleys and not just the power of the mountaintops. Sometimes now I fully believe that God is all that you have and you'll never even realize God is all you need sometimes until you all have gone through that type of experience because it changes everything. And as Josh comes up here to start singing, I just want you to understand this as we wrap it up. I believe God I believe God is the one who created us all with a purpose to draw us to him, that we may exist to bring him glory. When something doesn't go as planned, we trust him in his conforming ways, his molding ways in us. He is changing us. He's drawing us. He's making us more like his son, Jesus. And when you don't understand it, God, why did you do that? 
You could have done this. You could have changed the timeline. Now you use one of your butt lines. Remember this. An on-demand God doesn't exist. It just doesn't. If you're rejecting that, that, that type of God, you're rejecting the false view of who God really is and who the true character of God is. His heart is always loving. His, his, his ways are always higher. And no matter what you're going through, even in this moment, his presence, his presence is here now. And it's enough. It's enough for me, and it's enough for you. You just have to turn it over to Jesus, the author and perfecter of life. Because he can set you free. He can set you free from all those buts. So my question this morning as we just dive into this series full force is what is it? I hope and pray you just give me the biggest butt you can because I'm telling you, I got a God who can solve it. Some of you need to be down here this morning and you need to be confessing those butts. But you've got to take the first step. You've got to take that first step and just trust that his, his presence, his love, and his ways are so much better than yours. Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much and, you, and just how we know that is because your love is so deep and it's so true and it's so powerful. Lord, just move us here right now. Allow us to experience you in a way that changes hearts. Allow us just to, just to move in this moment that can literally change the trajectory of a life. So God, that's my prayer. As we sing a song, how deep the Father's love for us, it changes our atmosphere, our hearts towards you. In your name, amen. Would you guys stand and sing this song with us?